Good morning to all of you. Definitely good to see all of you out this morning. Uh, a few announcements that I want to uh, convey to you as well as um, make sure that you're noting that uh, next Lord's Day there is no Sunday school and there's no evening service. Okay, just the morning service at 11 a.m. Okay, so keep that in mind for the coming week. And then we'll resume everything as such uh, as we usually do on New Year's Day. So please, uh, please uh, take note of that as well. Um, also, uh, we continue since this is the day that John Huntsberger goes to the Stanford Suites continue to look for people in terms of assisting him and helping him uh, on that effort. So uh, if you're interested in that ministry, uh, please see John uh, about that. Also, a uh, couple other things. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, definitely mention uh, yesterday, uh, if you saw the announcement coming out in the, uh, in the, uh, during the week, Yesterday was moving day, <laughs> and uh, if you get a chance, uh, just thank you, give a real strong thank you to Mike Traverne for all his work in organizing and putting that together. The man is a master in packing. <laughs> so I always thought I was good, but <laughs> I'm way at the end of the line after watching Mike yesterday. There were about 12 to 15 men, is his estimation, that came and helped. I want to thank every one of you. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I am the load in this because there are so many books. <laughs> so I very do, I want to express my uh, deep appreciation for all of you who came out and helped uh, Mike with that and helped the church in terms of that movement. Uh, Lord willing, someday there'll be part two of this. <laughs> Everything is in storage right now. So anyways, till we find a place uh, for that. You also want to, Chrissy Graham had done a lot of work in the sense of, as well, and uh, express your appreciation to her in terms of all the work in the, as a secretary, in terms of all the material was there going through it. Uh, and she spent months going through that material and working through that. And I'm sure Ron and Isaac were doing a lot of help too. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to that as well. One other more serious announcement uh, that I'm going to be praying for this morning um, in terms of Diane Biden and the Biden family. Very, very important uh, situation there and their home. You know it's on the prayer list. If you've been going through the prayer list over time, you understand that... Um, that in terms of her sister's brother-in-law, okay, that situation in terms of his, uh, his, uh, let me make sure I've got this right, is uh, the sister, the brother-in-law's sister, okay, and her husband last year were murdered in their home, okay, in Canada. 
They just found those who were, who did it. Okay, there were three gentlemen that did it, and so it's a lot of pain at this point in terms of closure, but it's safe for the family. But let us make sure that we continue to pray for that justice that's going on. And also, uh, in terms of her sister and brother-in-law, uh, there is a terrible flu in terms of, in terms of chickens that are going through, uh, is in the Canadian area, and we're going to be praying for that as well, as they have now replenished and started their chicken farm once again. We want to be in prayer that that is protected. So there's a lot going on. That family has been through so much, and Diane has been through so much in the sense of support. So we want to be very concerned for them. Okay? Anyways, let's come together this time in silent meditation. Let us stand. Contemplate upon these words in light of our theme this morning from the psalmist. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let us turn to our first hymn, number 221 in the Red Trinity Hymnal, number 221.
A great God and Father, we are so thankful that you are the one who lifts us up. We thank thee that thou art the one who gives to us thy spirit and pours it out upon thy church and upon thy people. And as we assemble together today, that we are united in terms of the spirit of the living Christ. O oh Lord, give us the faithfulness of being those who proclaim the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he has come, he has come indeed, and he has come to dwell in the midst of his people. We ask, O oh Lord, your continual guidance upon us. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, for the revelation of God's will, I want to turn to a story that is familiar to all of you, but yet at the same time, I think it is definitely appropriate in terms of the message as well today. If you would turn to Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do, what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Our Lord and our God, what a magnificent hand of providence you reveal to us here. Your counsel before the world is being unfolded. This one 
whom thou art the one who made him blind with the light of heaven, convicting him of his sin, convicting him not to persecute the Lord Jesus Christ any longer. What a tremendous revelation it is, and a revelation that is extended even to us here this morning in the sense that we understand that he was the one whom thou did elect before the foundation of the world to be the great apostles to the Gentiles. We ask, O Lord, that as we read here about Paul, that also we ourselves would understand that without the Lord Jesus Christ, we are blind. We come before thee always asking for your enlightenment, your light unto us. In Christ's name, amen. Going down a little further, reading the assurance of pardon from verses 15 there in chapter 9 through 19. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell off his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. Oh, let us, ret- let us respond to the word of God here and turn to number 201. Number 201.
let's come to our Lord Emmanuel in prayer this morning. Our Lord and our God, we are so grateful that the Lord Jesus Christ has condescended into the creation on our behalf. There is no hope. There is no salvation. There is no faith. There is no grace without him. We're thankful for what thy spirit does in terms of what thou hast, even in terms of Jesus Christ, the elect one, the one who is, the one whom thou hast made a covenant of grace with. We're thankful for lifting us, including us, into that privilege. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would sustain each of us in a faith that will not budge, in a faith that will not in any way be tempted by the world, but that we would cherish what thou hast given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we ourselves would walk by faith and that we would also walk by the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is that in which is the body of Christ. And we're thankful that he is the precious head of the church and that there is this wonderful unity between the head of the church and the body of the church. And we ask, O oh God, that you would continue to flourish the church here in this creation, in this world in which the Lord Jesus Christ is proclaimed upon the lips and the hearts and in the hearts of thy people. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with those who continue to go through much turmoil. There are many in the church that are going through much persecution. There is also many who are going through very difficult times in their lives, in their own personal journey. We ask that you'd continue to be with them. We ask that you'd be with them here in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, here is in terms of our own congregation. Continue to bless them and to watch over them. We ask that you'd be with the with the Bible studies that are going on in this congregation. We ask that you would continue to nourish the people in terms of the word of God and that the fruits of the word of God would be apparent to all. We ask also, O oh Lord, that you would be with Octavius and Mary DeFells. De we ask you to be with them in Haiti we ask you to be with Marley as well, and we ask you to be with them in terms of their economic hardships in which they face with the church members in that particular area. It is a very poor area in the world, and we ask, O oh God, that you would be able to minister to them, and we would ask 
also that the OPC would see the necessity both in terms of spiritual nourishment as well as physical needs. We ask that you'd be with Miller and Stephanie Ansel in Waco, Texas. We ask that you'd be with this ministry. That church itself has had a difficult time in, in with respect to its new beginning. And we ask, oh God, that the ministry of Reverend Ansel would bring stability to that work and that they would see the rise of that church uh, in that community that there would be more graduate students and young families, and also bless those families that are coming and also nourish them with the gospel. We ask also that you be with the recent marriages that have taken place within that congregation. Bless those marriages. We ask that you be with Benji Swinburson and Linwood OPC here. There is a lot that has been put on Benji's table recently in terms of the ministry of that work. And we ask, oh God, that you would continue to bless him, strengthen him each day, and also strengthen that congregation. Enable him to preach the gospel clearly, and the congregation would grow spiritually as well as numerically there. We ask also that you'd be with Matt and Justine and with Esther and Abigail and Caleb Levi. We ask you to be with them. And we thank thee, O Lord, that, that Justine's two of her sisters were with her this week. And we're thankful for the enjoyment that they had together uh, in seeing each other and also to see also the children being able to see their aunts and enjoying that time together. We're thankful that Matt has now taken the written test in terms of his promotion. We would ask, O oh Lord, that you'd be with him and be with him in terms of his patience, waiting for the results. Help us to continue to pray that that goes well. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would be a blessing unto him in terms of his profession, his vocation, and that going forward in, with respect to helping us in this community. We ask also that you would be with him in terms of the extended hours and extra shifts that he has had to do in terms of prep for the testing process. And we ask also that they can have good time management and where it can be definitely employed for family and many other tasks at the, at the time being. We thank thee so much for Ben and Jacqueline Lynch. We're thankful for their lives, their faithfulness here. We thank thee that Jacqueline's parents were in town, and we ask for their safe trip for them as they return home. We ask that you'd be with them, and we're thankful that they are able to be together. And we ask also, as they ask, that they would be continue to have the courage of presenting the gospel to those who are unsaved around them. Strengthen their, their voices, give them boldness, but also give them the love to present that gospel. We thank thee for John Huntsberger. We're thankful today for the service. We know that he has prepared well for that and for those who appear at the Stratford Suite Assisted Living Quarters. We ask that you would bless those who come and that it would be a fruitful time for them in terms of gospel and gospel learning. We ask that you'd be with the Diane Biden family. We ask that you'd be with the brother-in-law in Canada 
who has had COVID and is now recovering from that as well. And also he has, he's been having a lingering cough and being very tired, but we pray for complete healing for him. And we also pray concerning this serious Avon flu, airborne flu that is hard to control that affect chickens and duck farmers there in Canada. And they, they themselves have prospects in terms of their own farming situation with chickens. Protect that farm. They have been so much through a lot. And oh Lord, we ask that you would keep them safe and keep them safe from this particular virus. We also thank thee, O Lord, that you and your providence have found the people that were responsible for his, for her brother-in-law's sister and um, and husband in that situation, and we ask, O Lord, that justice would be uh, would be performed on those young men, three young men that were arrested and participated. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless that family together as they bow mourn even, even at this time. But also we ask for healing for the family through this very, very difficult time. We are so thankful also for the upcoming wedding of Juliana and Kenny here on the December 23rd. We ask, O oh Lord, your blessing, and may it be a glorious and joyful wedding day for, for both of them. And we ask, O oh Lord, that although Lynn's mother will not be able to be there, we nevertheless are so glad that the grandfather is there. And we ask that you be with Pastor Rod through this time and also give him also the excitement to see is to see his own granddaughter come before him in terms of, wed of a wedding. We ask you to continue to be with Dave Brown's mother as well. We ask that you'd be with her as she continues to navigate in terms of the, of the peaceful care that she needs. Uh, we ask you to be with his siblings and himself in terms of providing that, that care. And we ask you to be with those who are medically serving her. We ask you to continue to be with Debbie Donovan's father. We're thankful that, uh, that now the radiation treatments have ended. And we ask, oh God, that he would be, continue to have good comfort in relationship to his breathing. And we ask you to be with the family at this special time through the Christ Christmas season. And we ask that you would give him, give him strength, for he is very tired through this, very, through this time. We ask that you would bless us as thy people and help us to come together with one voice as the Lord Jesus Christ has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand and sing number 460, number 460.
be seated. I would like to first turn to the book of Isaiah, reading from chapter 35 of Isaiah. Verses 1 through 10, the entire chapter. Please listen carefully to the holy, infallible word of God. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. So to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of a mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And in the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools, They shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall the ravious beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, and the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now, if you would, over to our text. In Mark chapter 8, verses 23 to 26. Mark chapter 8, 22 through 26. And they came to Bethsaida, And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people 
but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on the eyes, his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, another beautiful and wonderful, miraculous story of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask today for understanding in terms of the progress of this gospel and also in terms of our own lives. May Jesus' work here upon this individual be that which even opens our eyes to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ more and more. In Christ's name, amen. As we have marched through Mark's wonderful gospel, you have moved increasingly to the edge of your seat. <laughs> Maybe not yet. <laughs> you have moved increasingly to the edge of your seat, waiting for Jesus to do something with human eyes in a fallen creation. So far, the arrival of Jesus, the good news, and the kingdom of God in Mark's gospel has been dominated mostly by spiritual blindness, eyes that do not see, hostile and hardened eyes. Yes, you have been waiting you have been waiting for Mark to tell us that the eyes of the blind will finally be opened, pointing the reader to the profound issue of opening one's spiritual eyes to see Jesus for whom he truly is, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Son of Man. Mark is about to begin a transition. A transition in his gospel. In this wonderfully crafted gospel. Where eyes will begin ever so slowly. To open to Jesus' identity to those who are closest to him especially his disciples. There will still, there will still be a long way to go, but the disciples' presence with Jesus will start to provide more clarity, more clarity in respect to the situation of Jesus' identity and his mission. Simply put, we are about to enter 
a section in Mark's gospel where there is more focus given to Jesus' interaction with his disciples as Jesus makes his way geographically to Jerusalem and to his death. Yes, as God's providence moves Jesus to the cross, the disciples are about to be trained more specifically about good news discipleship in Christ's kingdom. How are we to understand the process and the progress of their instruction? Well, congregation, the roadmap, the blueprint is clearly seen in the healing of the blind man in the region of Bethsaida, a story that only appears in Mark's gospel. It is not. This story which we read this morning is not in any other gospel. So let us set up the importance of our text this morning by reviewing where Mark has brought the reader. I know I have done this before and again and again, but it is very important that you continue to see the flow of the narrative, the flow of the story. Keep what has gone before you in your mind. Just as you read a book, that is very important. You don't want to forget what's gone on before that to make sense of what is appearing before you right now. So, we want to see where Mark has brought us in the path of our Savior, making sure that we understand that Jesus is living the life of the church before us. He is living the path of the true believer in this world as an imitation for us. The blindness of sin has dominated the pages of Mark's gospel so far. Jesus, with respect to his self-conscious identity as God's son, has been quite lonely, quite lonely so far. And technically, that loneliness will not disappear in Mark's narrative as he goes to the cross. Jesus' ministry repeatedly takes him to a desolate, a wilderness theme, a barren place. We have seen that again and again so far in Mark. A strong emphasis in Mark in terms of the identity of Jesus and the church in their own journey here upon the earth. Interwoven in God's ordained path that confronts our Savior daily is eyes that do not see. Mark has placed the Jewish establishment, the scribes in Jerusalem, the Jewish elders, the Pharisees under Jesus' last judgment and of unbelief. Mark drove this point home strongly when Jesus guaranteed that he would not give them a sign, give those Pharisees a sign that specific generation, affirming that he 
is the Messiah there in chapter 8, 11 through 13. Although his family and his relatives did not receive the pronouncement of the last judgment, Mark presents candidly their blindness on the few occasions that they appear and furthermore that he did not receive he was not received in his own hometown as the long expected messiah moreover with respect to the crowds you may think well wait a second here the crowds were always around him well with respect to the crowds they are often presented as a collected body of people who want Jesus to serve their own earthly concerns without comprehending the invading character of the kingdom of God in Jesus' self-authenticating ministry, meaning that every activity of healing, preaching, casting out demons proves that he is the Messiah. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So despite the hostile and hardened attitude towards the heavenly vertical significance of Jesus' person, Mark does share with us a few important expressions of saving faith. Saving faith, cleaving to Jesus in the flow of his narrative. What is interesting about these incidents is that if memory serves me correctly, we possess no personal names of any of those who have received the specific benefit of Jesus intervening into their physical condition. Why? Why? Why don't we get their personal names? Because Mark wants your attention totally focused upon who is the good news. The one who is the evangelist of the gospel of the kingdom unto repentance and faith. The list includes... Peter's mother-in-law from a life-threatening fever. Her name is not given. The leper being cleansed, his name is not given. The paralytic and his four companions, no name is given. The man with a withered hand, no name. The man who had the legion of demons cast out of him. No name given. The woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Her name is not given. The resurrection of Jairus' daughter. Jairus is mentioned, but the daughter's name is not mentioned. After these miraculous healings in the region dominated by a Jewish audience, Jesus moves to a dominant Gentile country in which Mark highlights two supernatural miracles by our Lord. The first occurs in the context of an amazing parabolic conversation with the Seraphonician woman. Once again, 
her name is not given. About bread, children, and the dogs under the table eating crumbs. As the woman sees herself as a dog eating from the table of the Lord, she is pleading with Jesus to cast out an unclean spirit that is in her daughter. Again, that daughter's name is not given. In the view of her humble, repentant, and confessing statement before Jesus, the demon left her daughter. Immediately following the glorious narrative of the Seraphonician Gentile woman, Jesus heals a man privately, unnamed, who was brought to him who could not hear and could not speak. When his healing occurred, we noted that this healing of the man who could not hear and could not speak, is unique in Mark's gospel. It does not appear, that particular healing does not appear in any other gospel. So for this reason, it is crucial to comprehend how this story fits in the flow of Mark's narrative. Now stay with me on this. Our text before us this morning about the blind man being healed in the region of Bethsaida also appears only in Mark's gospel. This story appears in no other gospel. We have made that statement. You are seeing the connection, aren't you? We have two miracle texts in close proximity to each other that only appear in Mark's gospel. What is Mark doing? What is the teaching that you, the reader, you in the church, what is the teaching that you are to conclude concerning Jesus' person and message in this context. Does Mark have your attention? Two stories that only appear in Mark. A man who could not hear, probably speak at all, and a man who could not see. Stay with me. As to why you have been on the edge of your seat. (laughs) And if you weren't, why you should be on the edge of your seat. (laughs) This morning. Remember Jesus' plea that we've been tracing in Mark, back and back in the fourth chapter, chapter four, verse three, one word as he introduces the parables. Listen. Listen. Chapter four, verse three. Hear with your ears. The disciples could not understand what they heard. 
Jesus had to interpret the parable of the sower, if you recall, to to them. Then we noted in chapter 7, verse 14, prior to the parable about what defiles a person, the phrase used by Jesus, hear me, all of you, and understand. In chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus pleads with the crowd and the disciples that they hear and they understand. They understand his words. But the disciples were still in a condition after they heard the parable of defilement to not understand it nor proclaim with their lips what they had heard. As we have noted previously, Mark is harder on the disciples more than any other gospel. He's really tough on them. At this point, he is presenting them. It's clear in the flow of the narrative so far, he is presenting the disciples as having no faith and hard hearts. Towards the gospel. And yet they continue. To be at Jesus' side. Amazingly however. The Gentile Seraphonician woman. Understanding her humble sinful condition. Before Lord Jesus. Hears Jesus' parabolic comment. About children. Bread. In dogs and interprets it correctly in application to herself. And thus she receives grace and mercy of Jesus casting out the unclean spirit in her daughter. So as Jesus continues to dominate Gentile country. A man who is deaf and is mute is taken privately by Jesus to heal him. And this man becomes a parabolic figure himself of the gospel being actually heard and spoken fluently into the world. Yes, evangelism is at work in the Gentile world. In the healing of this man by Jesus, God's providence is showing to us that the gospel in Jesus is opening ears to understand the gospel. They are ready for their voices under the conviction of the gospel to go forth with clarity and fluently fluently into the world. But as the prophecy of Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6, which we have been seeing is related to Mark's gospel in these narratives here, is partially fulfilled in Jesus' messianic healing of the deaf and the mute man. The prophecy in Isaiah is still not yet completed. There is one other element that must be fulfilled by the Messiah from Isaiah's prophecy. 
And what is that element? Did you carefully listen as you read from Isaiah 35? Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The Isaiah prophecy as incorporated by the Holy Spirit in Mark's gospel is about to be significantly completed and fulfilled. But watch. (laughs) Watch now and see how it is fulfilled. You know, (laughs) by now, Mark's key, keynote word in his gospel. You know it, right? Immediately. Immediately. That's the word. When Jesus performs a miracle, it immediately occurs. However, that does not occur on this occasion. Did you notice that when we read the text? That does not occur on this occasion. In fact, Jesus must touch the man's blind eyes twice to enable him to see. Is there some sudden flaw? In the power and authority of Jesus? Is there a crack in Jesus' divine nature? Is the reader now reversing the words of the gospel in a doubtful manner about Jesus' person? We have never seen this before. We have never seen that it takes Jesus two times to actually Touch a person and that person to be healed. We've never seen that before. After all, the designed end of every miracle that Jesus performed was immediately accomplished. Also, the designed end of every miracle is to reveal Jesus as God's son, that the kingdom of God has arrived in history and all its benefits. This blind man is placed here in Mark's narrative by the Holy Spirit on purpose so that we are really challenged to see the movement of Jesus and his supernatural kingdom of God being revealed in the reality of history. This healing is placed here to to repeat as a crucial transition in the flow of his gospel a transition where the focus will be more upon Jesus and his disciples as Jesus moves to Jerusalem to face his God-ordained destination for his people. Jesus' healing of the blind man is pointing you to a deeper spiritual transformation. 
which his disciples, his disciples will go through. See, in the healing of the blind man, the disciples. You don't want to miss it. See, in the healing of the blind man, the disciples. The reason Jesus touches the blind man twice is to point you to the pilgrim journey of his own disciples. That is, the blind man's healing portrays symbolically the spiritual, supernatural journey of the disciples. Although handpicked by Jesus, then they con- and they continue to follow him and be with him despite the hostility that surrounds Jesus, the disciples have failed to understand the parables, his identity, and the nature of his authority and power. Mark underlines the spiritual blindness of the disciples in the previous text. Watch out. Watch out pointing to their eyes. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod, as they are on the boat coming over to Bethsaida. Eight questions that exposes their lack of faith and their hardened hearts. Don't miss the significant verse. Are you listening? Jesus asked the disciples, having eyes, you do not see. Eight eighteen. Make the connection. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? They are still blind to what Jesus did by his divine supernatural power in the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the leftovers. But glancing ahead, Mark is about to present Peter's important confession that Jesus is the Christ as we enter fully into a new section in his gospel, 829. We are about to see a little ray of light in these darkened hearts but the light will not be fully shining as Jesus will have to strongly rebuke Peter before his disciples. Get thee behind me, Satan. Chapter 8, verse 33. Are you connecting the dots? 
with the blind man and why Jesus touched him twice, pointing to the disciples. On the first touch, the man said, I see people, but they look like trees that are walking. The disciples are about to enter the imagery as Paul says dimly. That is, people are there, but they look like trees walking. They are not starting to see Excuse me, they are starting to see what Jesus in his kingdom are all about. But it is still not clear. The blind man is touched again. And now he sees clearly. So it will be with the disciples after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. The Holy Spirit will come upon them, and they will be able to see things clearly. Yes, the journey of the disciples is illustrated in the touching of this blind man twice. Indeed, Paul's words apply easily to these two episodes in the journey of the disciples. Now they see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now they know in part, then they shall know fully in 1 Corinthians 13. 13, 12. Where are you? Where are you? Are you now satisfied? We have finally gotten to the position that the eyes of the disciples are starting to see Jesus as to his true identity. Let me encourage each of you in this Christmas season do not allow the Lord Jesus Christ and his identity to pass without your heart being filled with eyes that see and hear clearly the fluent revelation of Jesus and his kingdom. Mark is setting it out for us in a wonderful, wonderful way. You must be beyond the disciples in this text. You must see Christ.
as he truly is. Let that ring loudly in each of your homes during this Christmas season. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his salvation. When we see this in the flow of the text, we now have understanding of what Jesus is pointing to concerning the healing of this one who is blind. We see what the church, the disciples, need to understand. We need to come to grips with the reality of Christ. We do not live in the era anymore of where we see only dimly, but we see clearly the Lord Jesus Christ in the manifestation of his being. May Jesus be so alive in each of us and in this congregation. In Christ's name, amen. Number 203, number 203.
Our great God and Father, we are so thankful that the newborn King has come, and He has come indeed, and we have, He has come in the gift of grace to us and to His church. We, as those who are privileged to receive such a gift, now bring our offerings unto Thee, and we ask, O Lord, that You would bless Thy church. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Let us worship our Lord and our God with our tithes and offerings. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen.